One. Welcome to Conversations from the Center, Episode 4, Free Space. I'm Dalida Maria Benfield. And I'm Christopher Bratton. This audio series is a project of the Center for Arts, Design, and Social Research in collaboration with Sylvain Soucle. Free Space is a sonic investigation of space, real, virtual, and imagined. Through interviews, performance, and starting with this episode, a new sonic artwork curated by Kamaru. New month, new case study. My name is Sylvain Souclay, and today I will have the pleasure to talk with Louise O'Kelly and Marlies Augustine. Both are members of Block Universe. Block Universe is an international performance art festival based in London. This year, like a lot of us, they have been challenged and with the rest of their team, they imagine the Block Universe session. How? When? Where? Just listen. So for us, it was really, I think, a challenge to um, to consider how performance, as Louis said, that is so much about bodies and being in physical space, how that can exist online, um, and also what kind of formats would work better than others in an online version of a festival. So um, we really also left it quite open to the artists to, um, as well as for us, it was a platform to experiment. It was also for the artists a platform to experiment. So we we left the invitation quite open for them to do something that um, they wanted to engage with and that was new for them to engage with. So we didn't necessarily say, oh, you have to just do a performance online. Um, but rather, it could be a workshop or um, uh, a performative film um, or a talk. Uh, and then I think a lot of the artists were really, or not not all of them, but some were maybe a little bit skeptical about thinking how they could translate their practice um, that often mm. involves such close audience interaction, how they could translate that to this virtual realm. You are thinking precisely about the the places and the spaces that you are working when you are doing the, the physical uh, performance festival. Um, that it is maybe one of the reasons that you choose to have all the, the performances and workshops in-house on your website and on, on micro websites and not on social media. Well, I mean, that that's actually an interesting point because I was thinking when Marley's was talking there, when we you know, initially we were like, should we streamline everything and have it all on one platform? But then we felt that, you know, I suppose in much the same way that, we, you know, the work will adapt to the space or, you know, the space, you know, lends itself to a particular type of work that actually maybe we should lead those, leave those conversations to be led by the artists in terms of what it was they wanted to achieve and then find the most appropriate medium. So, so, I mean, yeah, we were able to host some works on our website. As you mentioned, um, Kaken created a microsite that had a virtual avatar and also embedded film of performance and, you know, was very interactive with an app that you could use on your phones. I also think it's interesting what you said about um, audiences versus calling the people engaging users or viewers. Um, because I think for us, um, that's, 
we felt we were really engaging with an audience, mostly in the Zoom sessions, because um, obviously people were um, were there live and we could see them and uh, interact with them on the chat, for example, as well as the artists could do that. And I think that really created a special moment for those three Zoom sessions that we did, where, um, as Louise mentioned, there was a collective energy and people felt really like they had an intimate, special moment with the artists. Um, I felt was most comparable to to a real life experience, maybe. Um, whereas for some of the other sessions, um, like when we had the the film by Eve coming online or the podcast by Sarah and MJ and their collaborators, um, it was it felt more disengaged, and it was really interesting to then see later on audience statistics and how people had and what people had engaged with this with these sessions. And yeah, just even thinking about what what your relationship to an audience is or yeah. to performance, like whether whether you feel their presence or not online, I guess, depending on the platform. It was a very strange experience. Um, you know, our production manager as well will tell you that um, organizing a festival remotely where we're all socially distanced and we're at home um, was a very surreal experience because I think also a big part of, you know, Block Universe when it happens is that sense of community and bringing people together physically you know and and the adrenaline I guess the adrenaline rush that you get from that but um so for us it was you know unusual to be kind of sat in our living room you know um yeah kind of waiting for the event to go live and, and somehow being quite disconnected from being able to control the production elements um we definitely went through things beforehand we kind of did um, dress rehearsals and I suppose um, tech rehearsals somehow as well with the artists um, from their homes, um, which was, yeah, definitely uh, an interesting experience. How do you see or perceive or what could be the documentation of all the events? Because I can see the lineup with all the artists and the microsite, but let's say in one year, how you will organize this moment as a documentation? Would, would you like to do it? Uh, I think that's a really good question because it's one we've been discussing a lot with all the artists who took part. And yeah. um, I mean, I suppose every year with the actual festival, we, we photograph and we film every event, but often, um, I mean, our kind of standard uh, is that that documentation really is more for our archives or the artist archives, because I think often people don't feel comfortable having um, that footage online because they feel like it's not necessarily representative of the actual event. Um, I think in this circumstance, that kind of that applies, but it's also slightly different where a lot of the work was really created for online space and it couldn't necessarily exist offline. Um, but yeah, we've been discussing with artists about how they would like those things to live on. And uh, I think for a lot of people for various different reasons, um, yeah, they, we, you know, we've agreed that those works will exist online for a very limited amount of time, actually until the end of this month. Um, and beyond that, it will follow a similar format where it will just be photographic documentation of what took place. But um, yeah, so it kind of forms part of our back catalog, but isn't publicly in the public realm. I think it's really important to give the artists you're working with freedom because it will really um, open up interesting possibilities that maybe we hadn't even thought of, of doing. Um, 
yeah so so to avoid just a more straightforward offering of um only presenting i don't know a talk online for example really giving the artist freedom will also make the program more creative and experimental and i think something else maybe also to be accepting of the fact that things can go wrong online or digitally um you don't always have as much control i think as in a real life situation where um there is a technician present for example but i think this is also part of it uh, of the experience there is a huge disconnect and and in many ways you know people are realizing the usefulness of being able to work remotely but so much of that is built on i think the relationships that already existed from mm. spending time together right and i think you know i think that's why also you know the work that we all do in terms of um you know putting on performances and bringing people together that does you know that the energy in a room is something very specific that is um it's hard to replicate online and also those like incidental chance encounters that happen as a result of those sort of events that i think you know are part of the magic of everyday life and also how things can happen in the world too for more information about the block universation or about block universe and their festival you can go to block universe .co.uk Conversations from the center is a moment of dialogue but also a space of experimentation Each month we will try to understand perceive and feel what could be a sonic an audio performance. Today, we invite you to be a part of a performance by Anissa Tamen. Les antéchrists, des familles violées, violentes parcouraient les structures. Il y avait des éboulements, des périls au pied des demeures, l'enclos. Sur des Amériques vastes, les chevaux libres échouent comme des phoques, épuisant les dernières jongleries. Ne pas perdre, ne pas perdre sera l'enclos. Des demeures moisies aux mobiles fixés, il y avait des chambres sur les suffixes de l'abandon. La taupe et la canine, l'enfant, les frères en sœurs, où bâtissent contre royaume l'aiguille du cadran se réfugie-t-elle aux heures injustes Zénith sonnera la nette cisaille. de prisonniers soupirants, aspirés sur de longues générations d'appareils mécaniques, comme l'entassement de broutilles sérieuses et si souffrantes. Elles s'appelaient. Ses cuisses multipliées affoisant le visage. 
la verte, orange, rouge. Ah, le dévoreur. Le jaillissement. Non point privé de sa force et la peur et la vie s'effronteront dans le pire pour le meilleur. De l'ocre, des songes, des prédictions du grand réveil, elle s'appellerait encore, encore et encore. Le fracas apaisera sa soif. Il sera le prix à payer pour le déchambrement dans le plein été de résurrection débutante. Comme l'enfant l'étourdi, conjurant la cyanose, Le curriculum vital tenant avec poigne le ferment. Elle avait le raisonnement échevelé. Et la folie dans l'apocalypse des doux printemps. Ou bien des mois de novembre bleutés. Des essaims rugissants des léonides marquent avec prévenance l'orageur déferlement sur les portes. Par le dard de frelons frelons. Ou bien l'éternité de demain qui se touche. Ah, l'amour d'après. Et les amours t'entend. Cela me rappelle prouesse dans un ultime mouvement de robe, éclaboussant la plainte stellaire, lançant le concerto rythmé le chant des batailles. Elle tombera net, bordant la falaise le temps d'un soupir. Le seul pleureur aura eu dans sa respiration les boussoles lumineuses. I ask to Anissa Tamen what were her sonic, rhythmic and world c'est euh, une, euh, un, une forme un peu particulière une, dans la façon de, de créer où en fait je, je avec un jeu de rebondissement en fait où je rebondis euh, sur un mot sur le dernier mot de la phrase donc soit euh, au niveau sonore euh, sans me soucier absolument de, du contenu ou soit au niveau du contenu voilà, sans me soucier euh, euh, de, de, de l'effet sonore. Donc je joue un petit peu entre les deux. C'est ce qui me permet d'évoluer un petit peu dans la trame. 
j'ai pas forcément euh, donc sur le coup euh, le souci euh, euh, d'une ligne directrice absolument pas justement le jeu c'est vraiment euh, de savoir enfin euh, de voir en fait où le dernier mot va me mener et ensuite euh, bah, je regarde euh, je regarde ensuite euh, euh, le, le tableau final Hello, I'm Chris Bratton for the Center for Arts Design and Social Research, and today we've gathered a distinguished group of Center Fellows, researchers, artists, and activists to dis discuss the issue of free space, how we rethink the spaces in which we live, and the spaces in which we work, spaces in which we hope, how spaces can either enable or frustrate our lives and aspirations, and how, in the end, we might imagine a truly free space. So welcome, everyone. And I'm Dalida Maria Benfield, and um, I want to introduce Sibonello uh, Gumede from South Africa, a researcher, sociologist, um, urban planner, and Sonia Barrett, um, artist based in the UK, and Usha Sidrim, an artist from South Africa, and Sylvia Kiambi from Nairobi, Kenya, where we are having this conversation. Um, so I want to ask us to begin by talking about um, what our experiences of free spaces has been. Um, what are the contours of those spaces? What make them free? Um, what constrain those spaces? Um, and from that, you know, we can continue with the discussion about what might our proposals, either individual or collective, might be for free spaces. Um, who wants to begin? I'd love to begin. Um, so just to give you guys a bit more background about myself, Sylvia Kiambi, I'm an artist, but I've also recently, uh, through the support of Kadasar, developed a residency space that has also been really informal and non-institutional in my own home. And one of the essential things I've noticed for myself over the last nine months is really to um, have free spaces, a space where people actually choose to come to it, and a space that holds love and that that love is really powerful uh, when the decision is not institutional and when people are just choosing to come and it's a very different navigation than when you are kind of looking for people to come to your place. Sibonello, could I ask you, um, you deal literally with space in terms of the, uh, the shape of the uh, urban landscape and, and, and city planning and mm. Um, and I'm curious how you think about this question of freedom in your work, your very practical work in, uh, in uh, Durban. Yes, okay. So I'll just say that I've, I identify as an urbanist, and part of it is not, it, it hasn't been by choice, but it, it was a very circumstantial happening that how our country has been constructed and growing up in the space that I grew up in and never being able to, even till this day, realize a sense of free space. I've never felt that because of the forces that um, create and maintain space in a particular way that it, it, it happens back home. And yeah. So uh, 
Usha, I, I saw you might have had a follow-up to yes, Zoe's comments. Yeah. Uh, uh, more Sibonello, actually. Okay. Um, I mean, being a South African, we're acutely aware of free spaces. And just picking up on what Sibonello said, um, I think the dream is to have a free space. And for me, that is defined by um, uh, personal personal and collective agency, where um, where there's kind of carte blanche, and particularly as artists, to be experimental, to to set our own agendas, to um, to confront difficult conversations without fear, and and while uh, we have such a progressive constitution that allows us to do that, uh, I mean a place like uh, like where we are now, Afro queer, um, there's so much that can't happen here in Kenya, which South Africa can facilitate, and it does, mm. because we have the the framework for free space, mm-hmm. but the uh, the realities have not caught up with our ideal, with our utopian ideas of free space. Mm. I think we are getting there, but it's, it's very, very slow. Mm. Mm, that's so interesting. I think that that points to the... Um, the importance of context, um, cultural context, uh, social context, political context, the context of the nation state. Um, I wonder, Sonia, what what you think? I mean, something I know about your practice is that you've you've carried on your practice, your research, your organizing in many different locations, and I wonder how you think about this question as it as as you traverse those spaces. I think that when, well, I mean, I'm from a number of heritages, so my, I'm German, I'm Jamaican, and I'm also British. So it, that really informs how I interact with different spaces. And for me, um, this, the nation state is really important as to where you can find a free space. Now, I recently left, well, I left Germany about two years ago, and now I have my, post, my practice located in the UK. And leaving Germany um, was because of some, because of the Nazi elements in the government, which made it untenable for me to be there, so I felt that. Um, but I still have a space that I run in in Germany. It's in its third year, and I consider it to be a free space. Um, it is free, in, not at the point um, at the point of delivery, but it costs me something to do. Mm-hmm. I don't have any funding. And I simply invite every time I meet amazing artists, mm. instead of feeling disempowered when they share their stories of what they can't do, mm. I um, am now in this position where I'm empowered and can say, oh, if you if you need to do that, you can come and do that at the AIPCC. And I call that the, an interperipheral center for um, contemporaneities. Mm. So and the idea is that different um, people with different contemporary practices can meet there without an agenda, without without um, an outcome that they need to produce um, and they're supported to live and work together mm. there's a walking practice from the studio through the forest it's in a very rural place and it's actually a secret location so people can think and make their in an undisturbed way um, and that is a great amount of freedom and it's been incredibly ple- pleasurable to share that to share that level of freedom and actually, I think it's the thing that's sustaining my own practice at this mm. point. Um, apart from um, meeting up 
with other artists, perhaps for the first time in my career, that I feel um, are on the same page as to what what re- what freedom demands. It feels like part of the proposal in in um, from the title of the space, and then also from the um, your description of the program. Um, part of the proposal for a free space would be uh, the inter peripheral ness of it and so a kind of focus on um, uh, the margins so to speak Um, but then also that there's no determined um, outcome Um, so I wonder how that resonates with with other people Um, or what other proposals you have what are the other um, maybe requirements or uh, lessons that you've learned from the projects you've done could I add something to that before, uh, which I think is important, and uh, and I've heard from a number a number of you have, have raised is the is the question of visibility and um, and um, and uh, and whether or not a space is legible to the outside, right? And 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 does is that uh, I'm curious ab- I'm cu- I'm curious about that as a um, as a, a precondition for freedom at this moment, in a way being outside of the surveillance of certain types of institutions and ideas. Mm-hmm. I think um, one of the, uh, well, two different things. One is that sometimes it's not even space that's, that's like physical space as we think of it. And um, I think a little bit in response to what you're talking about, Chris, uh, Sonia Usher, myself, and I- an artist called Imi Mali have created a collective called What the Hell Is She Doing? And um, it came out of a, a need to kind of have a facilitate a space for each other to give critical dialogue back to each other mm-hmm. because we weren't finding it in the channels that we were in. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the main... one of, We have several mandates, but one of the main ones is also to not be not to react to the narrative that's existing around um, the canons that we're being positioned in by others right. um, mm-hmm. and to kind of set our own agenda. Right. And so we don't have a physical space. We're all in different places. Mm-hmm. And different continents. Different mm-hmm. continents. Mm-hmm. And um, it was it's not a space in, in a sense, but in another way it totally is. It's a sanctuary, mm-hmm. and I think sanctuaries can exist in in the mind. They can exist in in dreamland. They can exist in reality, like physicality and architecture, but they don't have to stay in architectural forms. And I think what I've learned from working with you both, uh, Chris and Dalida, is that the concept of fluidity is so present in your th- in your background thinking of how to navigate or open up ways of building different knowledge systems or thinking about things differently that things remain fluid even though there is a framework but the fluidity is something that's super important mm. uh, just to add to that also that um, that there is some kind of power in in a free space in the in the collective that individually uh, uh, we have uh, immense influence um, but but collectively together, that um, that sanctuary is amplified, mm-hmm. and 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 when uh, when that works, then you open the way for other artists like your space, Sonia. Uh, you create it for yourself or for yourself as a collective, but then it it gives permission for other artists to also uh, be a part of that sanctuary. 
which I think is very powerful. And mm-hmm. sharing sharing that is incredibly um, rewarding and um, motivating. So it moves you from being a kind of a victim to being um, an agent. And this um, this this move to agency was very was really difficult and really easy all at the same time <laughs> because it's like. What is the price of of you having being able to, you know, command three hundred square meters? What is the price of that? Pay the price, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, you know, yeah. the price of that was to, to spend, you know, months looking for the space, months finding right. spaces, and then talking to the community and seeing is this the right space? Can right. I invite other people? Am I accepted right. here? Mm-hmm. And the particular constitution of this space is such that it have a, um, a, a, a prior experience of. Uh, people from different backgrounds and there's uh, uh, enough space for everybody mm-hmm. and there's a lack there and there was forever there was an artist there before mm-hmm. who gave to that community so lots mm-hmm. of things had to fit lots of things had to be tested so for mm-hmm. a long time there's an investing mm-hmm. which bears no fruit mm-hmm. and then you have this the thing and then it's holding onto the thing mm-hmm. so there's this there's this huge um labor that happens before you even have anything to show at all Mm -hmm. and then there's this other thing of holding the space so even when there isn't anybody coming the work at that point is not a failure your project the work at that point is holding the space for the time Mm -hmm. when people can come Mm -hmm. because people have wanted to come and they couldn't come because they had this and they have this and there are so many reasons but they want to come and the work at that point is just simply holding the space until next time yes yes and that is doesn't seem that that's doesn't seem like a work but that's right. a, that's a very yeah. important yeah. work mm-hmm. and I, I wonder Sivonello this idea of holding space is it something that you find to be is it something that you find to be observable as someone who studies urban spaces I mean do you see this idea of holding space um, as a, as a practice maybe as a practice of refusal um, of of obeying the dominant ordering of spaces? Yes, I think it it, it has a, a very strong sense of um, refusal. And maybe I'll make reference to back home and how I view informal settlements as in a form of insurgency that as much as all of these people have been um, not accepted, not being accepted to be part of the urban core as it, as it as it may but being there and being able to exercise some form of urgency to house themselves that's strong that's a strong form of um, of refusal and remapping the city and actually knitting it and all the fragments that were created to in, in the apartheid era so i find that as a huge holding space and huge opportunity for people to be able to emancipate themselves socially and economically. Thank you all. This has been an incredible conversation. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And now let's go to a cooler space. Dadida and Christopher, we will be back next month with a new conversation. Now it is time to say goodbye to each other, but before that moment, 
we will dive into the world of the Sonics with Kamaru. He will join me every month during every episode to talk about sound art and sound artists. Hello, Kamaru. Hello. So, Brian, how are you today? I'm good, and you? Um, I'm good too. <laughs> Uh, before talking uh, about the artist, I will have just one question because I guess a lot of the the, the sound art that will be presented in the future uh, will have those information called. We will talk about Max MSP, and because yeah. it's a it's a big component about uh, music electronic and uh, sound art. Could you could you talk about a little bit about it for us to understand what is the environment? Uh, about Max. Yes, exactly. Um, Max MXP. Um, <laughs> it's a software by Cyclic Seventy Four, and from like the little experience and experimenting on it, is um, a, a platform or like a space where artists or like anybody can like um, process sound, build tools in sound, or even for live performances. And it's more of non-linear way of like composition where you're not like thinking about the time or like from start to finish. And that's like the beauty about Max. And also uh, another thing is how you can manipulate like different forms of media inside Max using Jita for like videos. Yeah, you can relate, sorry, you can relate Max with like PD um pure data which is like sort of earlier version of not, not of max but like similar environment it's more of graphical sort of coding rather than like writing code in numbers yeah i think it was important to explain a little bit what is uh, the environment of max because it's such a, an important uh, way to work but also to process which which has been how it max has been used by Uh, the artist that you you are selected uh, this month, his name is Hao San. Can you talk a little bit about him? Yeah, for sure. So, Hao San is actually his name. He's based in France, Paris, and um, from Ivory Coast, as I know. And yeah, we from like the conversations we've been having the couple of days, months, and weeks is that we share a lot in common and I came across Aho's music from his latest LP Simulacrum on subtext Berlin based label and yeah his idea of like composition or like from our conversation and his interest is more like an I don't know how to put it but yeah Um, if you if you listen to like simulacrum like the whole piece there's like an ajnas like a very huge tension and how he expresses sound and also like noise at the same time but still a bit calming was also interesting and like this particular piece which we are going to listen to um is like an alternate version from the album um which Um, was like collaboration with him and the Mensa Imaginary Band and he used now the Max MSP um, software to like simulate like how the band plays yeah 
The track is called Blind Power.
This has been episode four, Free Space, of Conversations from the Center. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like more information about this episode or the Center for Arts Design and Social Research, you can visit us at centerartsdesign.org. Or you can send us an email at center.adsr at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Center Arts Design or on Twitter at Center Art Design or on our Facebook page at Center for Arts, Design, and Social Research.